Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. All right, we are back with the Tactical Yanks podcast here today. I'm your host or co-host, Filippo Silva, and I'm joined by Pete Dalvit here today. Pete, last week we didn't have an episode because we really didn't have much to talk about besides all these fake transfer rumors that are out there because it's that time of the year again where the USMNT players get linked to the best teams in the world for no reason, yeah. and we didn't really feel like talking about that, right? But how you doing? Yeah, doing good, man. Um, just really excited for the summer to kick off. You know, it's been a depressing month or two. Actually, it's been a, quite a few months where a lot of our guys are struggling in one way or another, whether it's with injury or not playing as much as they'd like or battling relegation or just there's been a distinct lack of real progress. Not for all of them, but for a lot of our guys. And it's been disheartening. Um, so I'm just looking forward to the summer and getting back to the national team you know, both national teams, U20 and senior team, because that's what we live for. You know, the club, for me, at least the club thing is secondary. It's nice, but it, it doesn't matter to me as much as the performance of our, of our national teams. Yeah. I mean, U.S. soccer, the club is the national team, right? That's, that's yeah. how it works here. So I, we do want our players to do well for our, for the clubs and continue to succeed because that will translate to the national team. But as long as we win the trophies during the summer, we beat Mexico, we beat Canada, do on the U20 World Cup, get the Gold Cup, get the Nations League. Then, for all I care, they can keep playing the way they are for their clubs. But, of course, we're always rooting for them to do better. But it's been a very underwhelming season overall for the most part outside of some – outside of a few players. I think there's probably like a handful, maybe a bit more, that had a good season. I would say our main players, for the most part, had a bad season, unfortunately. But today we're going to talk mainly about – not mainly, we're just going to talk about the U20 World Cup that starts this Saturday, right? The United States is placed in Group B. We're going to go through the roster. After the roster, we'll go through a few scenarios to try to figure out how far we can go, who we would face in round 16, who we would face in the quarterfinals. But before I even start that, I just want to tell everyone one thing before everyone starts asking, because they will probably go on our stream speed and ask where to watch mm -hmm. the game. So here's the schedule. The United States plays Ecuador May 20th at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Then we play Fiji 
May 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Then we play Slovakia May 26th, also at 2 p.m. Eastern time. All of those are the group stage games. The knockout rounds, we don't know, but the games will be at 1.30 p.m. or 5 p.m. Eastern time. We don't know when we're going to play. We'll keep you all informed. And you can watch the matches on Fox Sports or Telemundo. Both of them will have it. Now, if you say Fox Sports 1 or 2, well, it depends on the game, right? But Telemundo has, and I always recommend Telemundo because then, you know, Fox always has that risk of Alexi being on, on the game. So It's a high risk, yeah. Yeah. It's not worth it. So, but, but again, that's where you can watch the games because I know a lot of you have been asking. So once again, Fox Sports and Telemundo, the group stage is set. Knockout rounds, we don't know. Pete, do you have the roster up, the U20 roster? I have it in my head. I can rattle it off for you. Uh, let me click. Let me look at it here because I can probably – well, let's start the goal. I have it all here. I have it written down yeah. just so we can go in yeah. order. So I'll put it here for you. The goalkeepers. Okay, we'll start the goalkeepers. We have three goalkeepers here. Alex Borto from Fulham is the first one that the name pops up. Antonio Carrera from FC Dallas. And Gabriel Sonina from Chelsea. Obviously, Gabriel Sonina will be the starter for this one. Yeah. And then Antonio yeah. and Borto are the backups. Based off the numbers, probably Carrera is the backup. And Alex mm. Borto from Fulham. Fulham U21s, I believe. He's I think Borto might be the backup because he's got the most U20 experience. He's been with this team since the, Re the first Revelations Cup. Remember? Gaga mm -hmm. didn't play, so Borto played. But, I mean, we'll see. Maybe No, no, I Gaga played the first one. He played the first one. Uh, not the second one. He didn't play. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think that in this case, at least the goalkeepers, let's hope we don't get to that because if Borto or Carrera are playing, it's because Sonina either got a red card or got injured. And yeah. either scenario is not great. So goalkeepers, there's not no. too much to talk about unless you want to talk about it. Chris Brady wasn't released, but that was probably the only player that got blocked that I don't really have an issue with yeah. because he was he was projected to not play at all in the U20. So then you're going to take him away from a club that he's actually playing. That one made yeah. sense. I don't know he might have got the Fiji game, but is that really worth it? You know? Mm -hmm. No, and and I mean, would you give him the Fiji game? I'd probably just rather keep Gabriel Sonina playing, keep him hot, keep him playing give him minutes. Yeah, yeah, just keep him playing. Uh, defenders. So defenders, we have Justin Che from Hoffenheim, former FC Dallas. He can play as a right back and play as a center back. Brendan Craig from the Philadelphia Union, uh, center back, right ball playing center back. Mauricio Cuevas, the right back that's now back with the Galaxy. Marcus Vercranis, the backup center back that will be that plays for LA Galaxy and will probably be a backup in this roster. Jonathan Gomez from Real Sociedad B. Caleb Wiley, probably one of the best prospects in this roster that plays for Atlanta United. And then Josh Winder from Lou City that is moving to Benfica this summer uh, on a record deal for USL. Pete, defenders, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, that's a good group. Everybody we could have asked for is in that group except for Jalen Neal. Um you could maybe make an argument for Kobe Henry, but he was injured anyways. I would probably have Kobe Henry there over a guy like Marcus Fakranis, but it doesn't matter because Jalen Neal was the one we really wanted, the center back with the most pro experience. All of these guys have USL experience, Brandon Craig, Marcus Fakranis, uh, Josh Winder. They all have USL experience. None of them have like pro pro experience. Uh, che has limited pro experience. So... Yeah, this makes sense. Jonathan Gomez and Caleb Wiley, you know, Cuevas, no pro experience either. But 
he was pretty solid for us in CONCACAF. I think the big question for Cuevas is just going to be, what does he look like against better opponents? Because defensively, I think there are still some worries with Cuevas. But then Justin Che can play right back as well. I think Justin Che will start there against Ecuador, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, I, I'm not sure also for Ecuador. I mean, Caleb Wiley has a decent amount of professional experience. Josh Winder, depending on how much you consider USL, because the level of USL is very low, but Josh Winder has a lot of experience in USL. Same thing with Jonathan Gomez, but the level is very low. So take it with a grain of salt. But let's go to the midfielders. Let's see who we brought here for the midfielder. We have seven midfielders. So we have Danny Edelman from the New York Red Bulls. Uh, it looks like he's going to be the captain of this team. Diego Luna from Real Salt Lake. Jack McGlynn from the Philadelphia Union. Rakas Puktas from Hajduk Split. That might be how you say it. Nico Tsakidis from the San Jose Earthquakes. Obed Vargas from the Seattle Sounders. And Owen Wolf from Austin FC. Not a bad midfield. We could have had maybe a better midfield. There are players missing here. But not a bad midfield by any means. No, it's a little short on creativity. In fact, the only real creative player in that group is Diego Luna. Diego Luna. So, and he's streaky. And he's streaky. So my question is, where's the creativity? Shakiris is a very creative player, but he just came back from a three-month injury. And I watched him play 18 minutes against the Galaxy on the weekend. He still doesn't look fit. I still think it's going to take some time for him to get back to full fitness. So there's a lot of sixes and eights. Not a lot of creative attacking midfielders. And this is where we're missing Gutierrez. Brian Gutierrez would have been interesting. Do you know if Alvarado was not released or not selected? Yeah, I, I don't know. I heard like there, I didn't hear of any injury. So I think he just wasn't selected, which is a surprise. That is a surprise. Considering the lack of creativity in this group, that surprises me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm just curious to see what Mikey virus is thinking as he's trying to go for more defensive solidity. I mean, Gutierrez was outside his control, but you know, maybe Ben Cremanchi, but Cremanchi hasn't really been good enough for Miami to warrant a spot this year, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, Gutierrez and Alvarado are big misses for me. Other than that, it's a, it's a fine group. This group speaks to me of a, a possible double pivot because Daniel Edelman, Jack McGlynn, Rokas Puxtas can play wide or he can play as a six. Obed Vargas and Owen Wolf are good as good in a double pivot because they're not really pure sixes that can play sixes by themselves, but they're also not pure eights either. Um, so just be interesting to see how that works out. Maybe Owen Wolf lines up against, you know, um, Ecuador with Jack McGlynn. I'm not sure. But we might I think see a more defensive side against Ecuador. Yeah, I can see that. And, and then Fiji, you can maybe rotate a little bit more, put a more offensive team, trying to get a lot of goals, right? Because you can, we can literally get out of our group by just torching up Fiji, getting four five zero win. Even if we lose to Slovenia, Slovakia, and uh, and Ecuador, we could still go through just by trashing them because the top four third place teams do advance. We're gonna go through that in a second too. So maybe rotate that way. Go Ecuador a bit more defensive. Because a draw with Ecuador and trashing Fiji, you're 100% guaranteed to go to the next round. Yeah. Uh, but again, also, you could put, you could also mention Paxton Aronson. He could be a midfielder too. So he's not there. He wasn't released by Eintracht. That one I didn't really understand. Yeah. I mean, he got four minutes on the weekend. Like, he's not that crucial. He just started getting minutes for them. He's not that crucial a player. You no, know, I for know them, they have he's the, not crucial at all, right? 
yeah, like he's getting minutes now, but he's not. I don't know. I, I don't really understand that one either. I think this should have been better for his development, but maybe they just want to keep him there because they want to continue to like oversee his progress there without letting him go to, for our, you know, to Argentina for two weeks. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, to me, uh, Eintracht is now on my naughty list alongside Augsburg uh, and yeah. a few MLS clubs. They're in my naughty list. So I, I didn't yeah. understand the Paxton Aronson not being released unless he was like starting for them. His situation there. He's less important to Eintracht than Paredes is for Wolfsburg. Paredes played much more for Wolfsburg. Uh, yeah. But but Paredes was released. I know he's not going to get there till after the um, the group stage, but he's still going. But forwards, Pete, we got four forwards here. We have very thin on the forward position, clearly. Not yeah. many of them. And, not, and, and again, some options aren't that great. We have Kate Cowell from the San Jose Earthquakes. Kevin Paredes from Wolfsburg that will only arrive after the group stage. Then you have Quinn Sullivan and you have Darren, uh, Quinn Sullivan from the Philadelphia Union and you have Darren Yappi from the Colorado Rapids, the center forward. We're very thin there. Uh, yeah. Not many goal scorers, not many creators, lack a bit of quality too. That That's going to be rough. You know, Puxtis has been playing for Hajduk Split as a winger. So maybe that's the thinking. When him and Paredes get back, then it's like, okay, that that's not terrible. But where's the goals going to come from? That's my biggest concern with this tournament. I think Cade Cowell is going to have to use his speed and athleticism, uh, which at the under-20 level might matter a little more in some cases, um, particularly in transition. But Darren Yappy isn't exactly a proven goal scorer. So... Quinn Sullivan, we said this all the way back last year during the CONCACAF championship. He can be a decent poacher, but in terms of the buildup to a goal, he doesn't offer that much, right? And anybody who's watched him with the union this year, you see it. Hard worker, looks like a good kid. can probably finish if you give him a good chance. I just don't see him being able to be too involved creatively at, at a good level. And I hope he proves me wrong, but I don't really see it with Sullivan. Yeah, I, I mainly from those four, the, the two I see being very useful in the tournament. Kevin Paredes because of his quality, right? Just straight yeah. up quality. He's probably among, I'm not going to say the best, but he's among the best of the tournament, right? Probably among the top 20 or top 30 players in this tournament. And Kate Cowell, like you just said, his strength, pace, and athleticism at this level, it can be very impactful. We're going to see him pushing away some kids, getting goals with his pace. So Cowell can be very effective in this tournament. How does it affect him long-term? I don't know. I feel like the more he relies on his athleticism, it's worse for him because then he's yeah. just going to get accustomed to just trying to do that. And when you get to a level where you're playing with grown man, it kind of evens out and it's not as effective. Darren yeah. Yappi hasn't really convinced me. Quinn Sullivan as well. They're going to bring up that Quinn was scoring at that CONCACAF championship. doesn't matter. Um, that level doesn't really matter, in my opinion. Also, if you look at his goals, they were good finishes, but he oftentimes wasn't too heavily involved in creative play, particularly against the better teams. It'll probably work against Fiji. You can just put him yeah, there as a poster sure. against Fiji, and he'll, maybe he'll get a hat trick, and I'm good with that. Uh, and I think he'll be fine as a poacher. Like, I don't have a problem with him being a poacher, but he's, can't, he can't play a false nine, and he can't play as a target man. But that's the roster. That's the roster. We talked about a few players that are missing. Uh, I, in, in my personal opinion, I think not being released is kind of stupid. 
I don't think that the players staying with some MLS clubs for two to three weeks right there, they'll miss like two to three games, maybe four, let's say four games that they miss. I don't think that's going to impact their development in a negative way, especially considering they're going to a tournament where they're going to play. They're going to probably face a hostile environment. We're going to go through the bracket very soon. There's good odds that if we make it to the quarterfinals like we did last time, we could play Argentina in Argentina. That's a very valuable experience that will probably be packed. So I don't think releasing their players in terms of development would impact that much. Also, MLS regular season is a bit of a joke. More than half of the league goes to playoffs. So if you really need an 18-year-old to make it to the playoffs – you might want to revise your franchise. It's probably poorly ran. It's probably the franchise that's the problem and not really not having that player. I, I, I'm happy that there's a lot of U20 players that are useful for their MLS teams. But if you need that player for every single game, you can't let go of a U20 player for three to four games because you're afraid of missing the playoffs. That's a bit of a problem right there. But that's just my take on it. There's going to be people defending it, saying they paid their salaries, they do this, they do that. Well, they pay their salaries, but the ones that bring in the money, the ones that create the product are the players, right? There's no right. club without the players. Players and fans. There's no club yeah. without the players and fans. The, the sport doesn't exist. If no one plays it, no one watches it, it's irrelevant. But yeah. going on. Uh, anything else you want to talk about with the roster? Just also, I mean, we've talked about them before, but just the other aspects of them getting that exposure to international scouts who scout the U20 tournament quite heavily, heavily. That's important. And the other aspect of it too, is just like the short term, the short term mindset of the clubs in not releasing them. Like if you know, you're, you're still trying to get America excited about soccer. It's never ending grind and a semifinal or, you know, maybe even a final would go a long, long way to help get people get excited again in a kind of a dead time right now for us soccer, Mm -hmm. right? If you're trying to continue to create hype and excitement, particularly going into the summer where you're trying to sell tickets, right? You're trying to get butts in seats. You're trying to get people to turn the TV on and watch the U S play gold cup nations league. It's all, it's all linked together. You have people excited about some of the youth and the under 20 with a really strong tournament. You could get people excited again. And, And people are distinctly not excited right now. You and I have seen this, not just you and I, Everybody in this landscape has has seen this. Well, just to add to that, let's not forget one thing. If MLS sends a U20 player to this tournament and he kills it, uh, he just does an amazing job, has a fantastic tournament, and then there's random U.S. soccer fans that don't like MLS or don't want to give MLS a chance, all of a sudden they watch that guy and they're like, wow, I love watching this player. Where does he play? Oh, Chicago Fire. Well, I'm going to start watching their games now because I want to follow Brian Gutierrez and his development. Yeah. Which yeah. is what a lot of U.S. soccer fans do. They don't really yes. like MLS. A lot of them don't like MLS. But they'll watch it just to follow some young prospects that are coming up. I mean, that's kind of like the case with me and you. I do yeah. like watching Orlando City, but the other games, I really only watch it if there's a young prospect that I'm trying to follow. So outside yeah. Orlando yeah. City games, that's all I watch. So that's the case for many Americans. And and again, some of them probably don't even know or care about who Brian Gutierrez is because they're not really sure. But if they saw him here and he did a good job in the U20 tournament, they might have started watching some games on the Apple Apple streaming platform, which, by the way, now they're offering now a free you can get for free for a whole month. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> no, you know what's crazy is uh, this is actually normal for streaming platforms to do it. But two two things that are crazy. Why didn't they do that from the get-go? That's the first thing. Do it yep. from the get-go to get people. Two, 
Why now? Weren't the numbers so strong? They weren't there. If it's so strong, why do you care? Just keep it as it is. It's working, right? I think the truth is the numbers are probably not strong. That's the truth no. of actual paying customers. A lot of people got it for free. So if you count all of those, it's probably a fine number. I got it for free. You got it for free. A lot of people got it for free with like T-Mobile and, and all that stuff. So the numbers are probably not good. That's just what I think. All the season That's ticket the holders that really care about MLS got it for free. So. Yep. And the ratings are probably not that great. There's probably not many people watching. That's another issue, right? No. I've been seeing a lot of people even that are like like uh, Will Will Forbes right on Twitter. He's a diehard MLS fan. He's told me multiple times he's finding the season kind of boring this year. Yeah, it's uh, been a rough season. There's not a lot of good storylines this year. Yeah, St. Louis was an interesting one at the beginning, but people were just giving them goals. That was the only interesting storyline that I was watching. Yeah, it wasn't even that interesting. Like I didn't really feel like watching their games because of that. I was just like always no. just trying to check out the highlights and see did someone give them a goal? Like, oh yeah, they did for the third time, fourth time. They're giving them goals. Uh Orlando City is also like just they're they're it's reaching a point where I, I'm starting to not want to watch Orlando City. I've been actively actively rooting for the Palmeiras game to land at the same time. So I just like completely ignore the game and eventually just stop watching it. They've been extremely depressing to watch. It's been terrible. But yeah, the only good thing about MLS this year has been the amount of young players getting minutes. That's been really encouraging. And the diversity of clubs that are giving young players minutes. So before it used to be Philadelphia and Dallas. That's it. Actually, Dallas has dropped off. They haven't had a prospect come through their ranks since Pepe. Oh, they have right. Jesus right there that's going to Napoli, allegedly. Actually, he already <laughs> said that's BS. He had to come even, out and say even he said it's not happening. But like, if you look at the guys coming through, they haven't had one come through since Pepe. And that was two years ago. So they're actually dropping off. But if you look at now, you know, San Jose, DC United, New England Revolution, Chicago Fire, even LA Galaxy, who are traditionally very bad at it with Jalen Neal. Um, you know, Seattle has quite a few kids coming through. You know, Miami even has one or two. Charlotte has one or two. Austin's got Owen Wolf. You know, even Houston, who are terrible at youth development, are getting Brooklyn Reigns minutes. So that's kind of been the only good thing that I've enjoyed this season. San Jose as well, now that Shakiris is back. But Minnesota, Portland are still terrible. And the Canadian clubs, obviously, they're not, you know, that great with, you know, American minutes at least. I don't even yeah. know why we have Canadian clubs in the in Major League Soccer. They should go to the Canadian I, League, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we do have like the Raptors, right? In um, in NBA, whatever Toronto, but it's a bit different, right? Like for soccer, like MLS should be just the United States. I mean, we don't. I agree. Uh, and those could be two extra franchises, more American cities involved, more Americans getting academies. Uh, and then it would also have... make the Canadian League stronger. If you have Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto in the Canadian League, that'll make the Canadian well, Premier League better. If they left MLS, they would lose all the good players. No, for sure. They would. But they'd still have some interest, hopefully, in their cities. You know, those are Canada's three big cities. That So it's hard for them to get. Anyways, that's a different topic. Yeah, and before we continue here, I have a quick word from one of our sponsors, DraftKings. So light the lamp during hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly only on DraftKings Sportsbook. All you have to do is download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code THPN. That is THPN. New customers can make five a $5 bet on a hockey playoff and score $150 in bonus bet instantly with the code 
THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So I don't really watch hockey, so you guys can go bet on it, whatever. It's funny because we were talking about Canada right now. That's what they, they, they do. They play hockey. But but again, thank you, DraftKings Sportsbook, for sponsoring the podcast once again. And guys, if you go play, use the code THPN. And remember that no one gets rich off gambling. Don't forget that part. That's very important right there. So <laughs> Pete, <laughs> but Did go, you see that 29 I, is trying to get rid off, rich off gambling? 29 is trying to hit that one home run with leads and he keeps getting it wrong. <laughs> Dude, 29 keeps betting every week. It's like he bets like 5,000 bucks on leads. It's like, now I'm going to make It's like, no, they lose against. Like, Dude, Are we even that. sure he's betting? Because all we see is the screenshot saying this is what you're putting. But then I think you probably have to click a button after that that says place bet. He might just be I, doing I'll, that for attention. Yeah, I, I would I would just say it this way. If he's doing it just for attention, I, I kind of hope he's doing it for attention because it's just sad, man. Keep losing. That's an expensive. The guy, <laughs> yeah, the guys, if we go calculate, the guys lost, what, fifteen dollars or $20,000 on leads? I hope he's just doing it for attention. It's not worth losing a dollar. No. Uh, but I don't No, No one would really bet on leads. Like, unless you really want to lose money, that doesn't make sense to bet on leads uh, at this point. But anyhow, uh, moving on. Hey, oh, just one thing. There are actually professional players getting rich off gambling. Did you see like the – there's like an MLS player. There's players in Brazil. Yeah, that yeah. Yeah, they, they get like 60 grand in Brazil to get a yellow card on purpose. <laughs> so bad. So oh, bad. They're like rigging. They found out that that happened to like six games in the Brazilian league last year. Well, even in it MLS, was, somebody on the Rapids was banned for betting. Wasn't it a Brazilian guy? It was Max. It was a Brazilian guy, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, he got like 60,000 reais, which is like $12,000 to get a yellow card. Dang. I was like, man, I don't know, man. That sounds sounds tempting right there, right? $12,000 just to get a yellow card? <laughs> I don't know. It's not, it's not like you're scoring your own goal. But but anyhow, look, it's wrong. You shouldn't do it. You're a professional athlete. You should remain professional. You shouldn't get anything because you should play to win the game, not get a yellow card or red card or score an own goal or anything because you're getting money off of it. That's not what they're paid for. But, Pete, let's go through the multiple scenarios here that we have mm -hmm. for the United States. So just so everyone knows, right away, if we finish in first or second, we automatically advance to the round of 16. Now, if we finish behind first or second, we finish in third place, then we need to be the top four best third-placed teams to advance to the round of 16, right? So right there, it's a, it's a bit of a tricky one. So why don't we start with the easy ones, Pete? We try to simulate uh, the scenario where we finish first, then we do one that we finish second, then we can go to the other one, which there's like two different projections on it. So we're in Group B with Ecuador, Slovakia, and Fiji. Do you want to go through the one that we finished first? Would you prefer yeah. that one? Yeah. So, okay. If we finish first, we will play the third place team from Group A, C, or D, which is quite complicated to project. So Group Fair. A is the one with Argentina, Uzbekistan, Guatemala, and New Zealand. So... The third place team here, the team that doesn't finish first or second in this group will probably be very weak. It could be Uzbekistan, that are the U20 Asian champions, probably okay, but not very good. Guatemala, that we can beat them. And New Zealand's probably not very good. 
Now, for Group C, Group C has Senegal, Colombia, Japan, and Israel. So whichever team doesn't finish first or second could still be very strong. Yeah. It could be Colombia, Japan, or Senegal. That That's pretty good. Yeah. For Group D, that's Group D is even tougher. Group yeah. D, Brazil, Italy, Nigeria, and the Dominican Republic. So I don't know. Brazil probably will finish top two. That means we could be facing Italy or Nigeria there. Yeah, it's tough. So even finishing top of the group doesn't guarantee you much. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And again, youth tournaments are very tricky to predict. It's very hard to predict because you don't very. know who brought their best players. Like we talked about, we beat France last World Cup. But if you go to the actual World Cup and we played France, what are the odds we lose by less than two goals? <laughs> Pretty low. So Yeah. Yeah. So going on. So that's the first scenario, right? Of what we would face. Uh, let's say in this scenario that we finish first, we we end up uh, going to the quarterfinals. If we go to the quarterfinals, we would play the winner of Group F or the second place team of Group E. Winner of Group F could be France, Honduras, South Korea, or Gambia. The second place team of Group E. Group E has England, Uruguay, Tunisia, and Iraq. So that's a tricky one right there because I would assume France would top Group F, but we heard that France is bringing like a C team. So this yeah. is not their best. And it's probably going to no. be very competitive, but not very good. What yeah, do you think I mean, of this? I feel bracket? like with the French development, they, they almost always have good, like their gap between their A team and their C team is not as big as most teams gap between A and C. That's the one thing I'll say for France. For sure. Like our C team would be a monstrosity. Oh my God. Be, I oh think it, if it reached a scenario where we were sending a C team, we probably might as well just not go. Yeah, this pointless. Just, just don't go because we would probably be battling Fiji. <laughs> yeah, so, for, for the worst team in, in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, just don't go. But on this case, then, we'd probably be in the same bracket as probably France, Uruguay, maybe South Korea or Gambia. Sometimes African nations do surprise many in the U-20 World Cup. It's not a crazy tough bracket. It, if we get a bracket like this, uh, it is possible to make it to a semifinals. All these teams I listed, they're all yeah. beatable teams. France technically is not beatable for us, but like we said, a C team is beatable. We beat them in the last World Cup in the round of 16. So if we do top our group, I do think making it to the semifinals is realistic. Is it easy? No. Is it what I would bet my money on? No. But realistic. So, yeah, I think so long as you only have one power team between you and the semifinals, it's doable, right? Mm -hmm. Because in one-off game, anything can happen, right? We beat France last time in the under-19, uh, under-20 World Cup in 2019. You can have one good game or, or even a lucky game where you don't play well, you get outplayed, but you take your chances and they don't. Maybe you get a lucky penalty, you defend for your lives. That is possible. Now, if you're facing France, Brazil, and Argentina on the way to the semifinal, it's not going to happen three times in a row, right? But if you only have one power and then one or two fairly other beatable teams, now all of a sudden it becomes realistic. Yeah, so this here, if we top our group, which will be very tough, but if we do so, I think a semifinal run is a possibility. Uh, but I think we have to go through a different scenario here to, to try yeah. to see... 
Let's go through a scenario where we finish in second place. Okay, let's go yes. to second place, which is is very realistic. Second place of Group B would face the second place team of Group F in the the round of 16. Group F is the one I just mentioned with France, Honduras, South Korea, and Gambia. Honestly, since it's France's C team, Honduras, South Korea, and Gambia, all opponents that we could beat. We can beat all of them. So realistic. Now, the issue here is the following. We would face the winner of Group A that will face some team that finished in third place. And the winner of Group A... In the quarterfinals, yes. And the, the, the yeah. winner of Group A is likely going to be Argentina, right? Their yeah. group is Argentina, Uzbekistan, Guatemala, and New Zealand. Even though Argentina didn't qualify to the World Cup, they qualified as a host, bidding later after Indonesia lost the rights. Their team is still very competitive. It's still a very strong team, and they're going to be playing at home. So they're probably going to top their group. And if they top their group, they're probably going to win the round of 16. And then we would have to probably play Argentina in the quarterfinals away. And I don't really like our odds for that game. No. So, Although, finishing... to be fair, Argentina didn't qualify for this World Cup. They got awarded the hosts later when they took it from Indonesia. So they're not unbeatable. I mean, I still think if we played them 10 times, we'd lose 9 out of 10. But on the day, can you maybe beat them once with a little luck? Maybe. Yeah, my question is, would we have qualified in Comebol? No, I don't think so. Yeah, so so that kind of evens us out with Argentina. Also, I don't know what roster Mascherano brought to that U20 championship. I think they were missing. They brought, they brought their Manchester City player, right? Um, Maximo Peroni, Luca Romero from Lazio. He's going this time. I don't think he was there for that U20. So they're bringing good players. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, gonna be Ben Cremanchi was on that roster who hasn't even sniffed the under-20s for us. Yeah, and he's not on this one, right? No, so, no. so again, I think this roster is better than the one that didn't qualify, I'm pretty sure. And they're going to be playing at home. There's still that World Cup high there. It's going to be packed. They're going to fill up the stadium, especially yeah. in the quarterfinals. So yeah. I don't really like our – I'm not going to say it's impossible. It's kind of like what you said. In 10 games, we would probably lose nine to Argentina and Argentina. And then there's that one game that maybe we get an early goal, we sit back, and they struggle to score, uh, that we have good odds. But our odds are very low. So just to say, if we finish second in our group, based on this projection, a realistic run is quarterfinals. While when we did the, the, the winning the group projection, it did seem realistic, a semifinals which a semifinals would probably match us up with Brazil, and that's probably where we would finally lose, which is fine. Losing to Brazil in the semifinals would be fine. Plus, you get that third-place playoff. Yeah, extra game, more experience for the players, and and good Plus run. And... To get third, to essentially get the bronze medal, right? To say we finished third at the Under-20 World Cup. Yep. So I will say, though, Tack, if you look at past Under-20 World Cups, it's it's mostly not a world power that wins it right? Like Nigeria has it three times. Uh, Mexico has won it. Ukraine won it last time round. Before that, Serbia won it. Like if you look at the teams that win it, it's very realistic for a non-world power to win the World Cup. I'm not saying we're going to win it. I'm just saying it's, it's not often that the U20 World Cup champion is one of the big teams. So that can just a little something to consider. 
Yeah, I just think the only concern in regard, like, in, not even a concern, it's not really a concern. It's just that I looked at Brazil's roster, and Brazil's sending a very strong roster this time. Usually, Brazil doesn't send a lot of the times professional players, usually players that are usually in academies, but they're sending Andre Santos, that's a Chelsea player that yeah. would have been playing for Chelsea if he had the work permit. Marcos Leonardo, that had what, like 15 goals in the Brazilian league. That yeah. that guy would that guy would probably be in the U.S. men's national team senior roster, maybe as a backup, maybe as a starting center forward. Who knows? Yeah, uh, there's Kaiki. I think the center back was starting for Almeria all season in La Liga, if I'm not mistaken. I think he made the roster. Hmm. So there's players playing at a very high level in this team. Uh, we kind of got a little bit of a taste for that when we played Brazil in the Revelations Cup, that 4-0 loss. Some of these players were there. Of course, Brazil is missing players like Hendrik, uh, yeah. that at this level makes a massive difference. But overall, it's a very strong team. And also, the fact that it, the, the World Cup is in South America leads me to believe the South American nation will probably take it. That'll yeah, play a big role. Like, very possible. Yeah. Yeah. So even Ecuador, man. Ecuador is bringing Kendri Paez. That's a world-class prospect. And they actually have even played, I think their center for it. There's a dozen times. One of their players even got minutes, have, has played for their senior team. Ecuador is a very tough team. Uruguay is never... I, I think it'll be among those because it's also in South America. But again, Argentina playing at home, it is a game changer. But then, Pete, before we go on to the last scenario, which is if we don't finish first and don't finish second, before I do that, there's also a quick word from our sponsor, Raycon Earbuds. Raycon is a premium audio at the perfect price point. So you can listen to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. Yes, it is cheap. They also have over 50,000 five-star reviews. They offer two years of product protection, insurance for a few bucks. They also offer free domestic shipping and a flat fee for international shipping. But you're probably in the U.S., so you don't need international shipping. Raycon earbuds are simply fantastic. And you can go by Raycon at raycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. And that's by Raycon.com slash THPN. Once again, you got to just put on the link by Raycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off your Raycon order. Thank you very much, Raycon, for sponsoring the channel. Great product. Go check out their website, everyone, and get 15% off right now with the code THPN. Thank you very much. Pete, last scenario here. We finished behind probably Slovakia and Ecuador. And then the scenario that scenario, we can either face the winner of group D or the winner of group C. All right. Yeah. So those are the two options. Winner so we could get C. knocked out by Brazil in the second round. <laughs> so let me see. Yep. So group D would probably be Brazil. And if we finish in in third place, and we play Brazil that finished in first, that means we probably sucked, and Brazil probably did just fine, topping a group of Italy and Nigeria, which means we would lose in the round of 16 to Brazil. The other one is the winner of Group C, which would be Senegal, Colombia, Japan, or Israel. Uh, that does seem somewhat possible that we could yeah. go through. The only issue is if we finish behind Ecuador and Slovakia, yeah. The odds of us getting eliminated by whoever topped that group is pretty high. Yeah. Still possible. I'd rather face Senegal, Colombia, Japan than a Brazil that just topped the group with Italy and Nigeria, uh, which even I talked about this on the, the, the prediction video I made. 
Brazil, Italy, and Nigeria at the U20 level, it kind of almost sounds like three contenders in the group. Yeah. At the U20 level. So if we finish in third place, that's like the only scenario that we would have some luck is if we face the winner of Group C instead of Group uh, D. And then if yeah. we advance by defeating the winner of Group C, we would play either the winner of Group E, which Group E is the one with England, Uruguay, Tunisia, and Iraq, which is probably going to be England. England has a good U20 squad. Or the runner-up of Group D, which would probably be Italy, Nigeria, or Brazil. <laughs> or Brazil. So if we don't finish first or second in our group, we're most likely screwed. In the best-case scenario, we get to a quarterfinals, if we get lucky. If we get very lucky, yeah. For what it's worth, we played Senegal and beat them 2-1 in a friendly this last week. So Kate Cowell scored both of those goals. I will say though, even if we don't, even if we finish third, at least we get reinforcements for the knockouts. So having Paredes there, I think will be a game changer. Even Pukstas, talk about mm -hmm. pro experience. The guy's playing in the Croatian league, which is the league that developed most of Croatia's current senior team. So you, if you're getting right? minutes, yeah, almost all of them came out of the Croatian league. So if you're getting pro minutes in that league, starting regular games and being a contributor with goals too, I will say it it might provide an extra dimension of attack that we need having both Paredes, a Bundesliga player, and Puxtas, a Croatian league player, coming in. So just getting out of the group is important. Because can you imagine these guys? We don't get, <laughs> we don't get out of the group. We manage to draw Fiji or something. We or, or we, or we, we beat one zero. zero, but it's not enough to get the top four. Uh, third place teams <laughs> and then Paredes and Puxtas never get to go to the World Cup <laughs> that would suck they're betting that we're gonna I think we're gonna get out of the group but I think what we can look here at the projection is if we finish first or second uh, in first a semifinals run is possible it's yeah. not uh, now finishing second a quarterfinals run seems very reasonable if we don't finish first or second a round of 16 exit is looking more likely not impossible to go through because, as we said, it's a one-leg knockout round. Anything can happen. But that's probably the best way to put it. Finish first. You could make it to the semifinals. Finish, finish second. Quarterfinals seems reasonable. Don't finish first. Don't finish second. But go through. You're probably going to be done in the round of 16, most likely. I think those are the, the scenarios that we could project. So that said, what is a – let's do it like this. What is a realistic – scenario what would you say is a realistic one that you would be betting money on i would bet we finish second in the group and then make it to the quarterfinals and lose to argentina that would be the most likely scenario that sounds like the most reasonable one too that argentina tops their group they make it to the quarterfinals and we lose to argentina in the quarterfinals at their home which is not just realistic but i would say also acceptable i would say it's a successful campaign as long as we don't get trashed right lose five yeah, you don't want to get thrashed by anybody Right. Yeah. Even Ecuador, like we can't losing to Ecuador would not be great. And I actually think we're going to pull a draw against Ecuador. They have a brand new coach um, that might struggle in that just opening game to have a real fluidity. Maybe not. We'll see. But I think we could we can pull a draw against Ecuador, um, even with our lack of firepower up front. If we play very defensive and try to hit them on the counter, although there's no Kate Cow either. So that's one thing to consider. I think Gaga is going to have to have a monster tournament. I think Slonina is going to be a busy guy. So it'll be interesting to see Ecuador, what he does. I, I Ecuador is a problem, especially like you don't have Cal, you don't have yeah. Paredes, you don't have Pukstas. So that means the front three is going to be Quinn Sullivan, uh, Darren Yappi, and yeah. maybe Caleb Wiley will be wide. 
Who's going to be white? Either Wiley or Luna. Yeah, look, it's going to be a problem. Ecuador is also a very physical team, and they have a lot yeah. of talent in the team too. They've been great in the youth tournament. Uh, I, that Ecuador game, I'm hoping we get a draw, and I'm actually very excited to watch Kendry Paez play against our players. Like, see a world class uh, prospect, prospect facing our defense. That will be that'll be probably the fun part of that game. That's what I'm really curious to, to watching. Yeah, yeah, that'll be cool to see. Um, but even but, if we don't beat Ecuador, we still have everything to play for in those last two games. I won't have Cowell back. So Yeah. Well, in Slovakia, they barely qualified. They hosted the European U19s. They didn't go through their group, right? They had to go play for an extra game with Austria, and then they beat Austria 1-0 to qualify. Yeah. So it's not like Slovakia. Is it? Slovakia is probably at our level or worse. Ecuador is a bit better, especially with the players we don't have. So I'll go with that. I think a realistic one is what you just said. Finish second, end up playing Argentina in the quarterfinals. And if we do lose, hopefully it's a tight game. 1-0, 2-1, 2-0, nothing too bad. Anything else you want to add? Um, just that, you know, this is an opportunity for these for us to see where we stack up against the other talents of in that age group in the world. We don't get to see that often in CONCACAF, right? Like that CONCACAF tournament, even Revelations Cup, we just run over everybody except for, you know, Mexico or Canada sometimes give us trouble. But it's not fun. And you sometimes get a false, you know, sense of where these players are at. And I think it'll be a very good sort of, we'll have our pulse on where we stand with development. Because where do our under-20s stack up against the other under-20s in the world? Not the best ones, because a lot of the best ones aren't there, but we're missing a lot of our best ones too, right? No Ricardo Pepe, you know, no Paxton, no Neil, no Gutierrez, no Buck. There's five or six players missing. I think five or six is what most of these bigger teams are also missing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe France and England have a few more. The European teams might have more because they have the under 21 euros. So there are some 20-year-olds who might be eligible for this who go to that. But at least we get more of a sense of where we're at. That's why I love these you know, big tournaments like this. We don't get to see where we're at in CONCACAF. We get false ideas about the level. Now we get to go see our level and they will be telling I think the South American nations, they're pretty much missing what we're missing. So it'd be a fair comparison. They're missing roughly, right? Brazil, Argentina, they're missing like probably five to six players. Ecuador might not be missing that many, Ecuador. uh, So that might be a bit of it. Uh, Colombia, I'm not sure. Uruguay, I'm not sure. Also, I didn't look at their... But Brazil and Argentina, they're probably missing around the same, like five players that could be useful to the team. But everyone, thank you very much for listening. We will be obviously covering on YouTube the whole thing. We'll be doing pre-games, live watch-alongs, post-games, everything we can to cover the U20 tournament as much as we can. Get excited. Summer's here, so U.S. Men's National Team is going to play. There's a lot going on. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Bye-bye. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.